TNA Wrestling. Cross the line. Tonight, it's about more than the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Tonight, there's more on the line than the reputation of two great warriors. Tonight, inside this cage, what's at stake? It's the career. It's the livelihood of one man. Because tonight, inside these six sides of steel, if he should lose to Kurt Angle, then Samoa Joe must say goodbye to the only thing he knows, to the only thing he loves, professional wrestling. Tonight, we answer the question, is this Samoa Joe's final stand? Welcome to Lockdown. I am as old as the earth. My essence has existed since the beginning of time, born in frigid blackness, forged by scorching hot flame. I am steel, cold, merciless, unforgiving. I have no heart, I have no soul. And you mortals cannot conquer me. Here I stand tall and erect, and brave men quiver and fall at my feet. I will rip your skin, tear your flesh, spill your blood, scar your very souls. Small Joe, as much as you want to kick my ass, I want to kick your ass even more. The pain cost me tonight. I return it tenfold, tenfold. I am the harbinger of hell, the devourer of dreams. Dominus Gratis. He's gonna kill you. He's gonna kill you. Oh, it's real. Amen. Dominus Gratis. In name of the Father, Amen. Be afraid. Be very afraid. God have mercy on their souls. TNA Wrestling presents the most dangerous pay-per-view of the year, Lockdown. You are looking live at a jam-packed, rocket. Songus Arena in Lowell, Massachusetts, as TNA debuts in the greater Boston area with the unique, one-of-a-kind, all-steel cage format that we call Lockdown. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are, summer, officially summer in 2019, and I can tell it's summer because it's very humid outside, it's unbearable, it rains, and then it just gets humid, that's how it works around well, here. Well, we, we're here at the radio station, and we were sitting here looking out the, uh, the window at the magnificent view that we have out of both windows here, and it didn't rain on me the whole way here, walked in, nothing but sunshine, not a problem, 
I get upstairs, look out the window, and it immediately downpours, and you would think it's a damn hurricane because it's coming down sideways. But now it's gone, so it lasts a total of about five minutes. Yeah, the sun's coming back out, you know. It reminds me of that old uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie episode, uh, Summer Showers, You Can Never Predict Them. Well, we missed last week. Are you feeling better? I am. Last week was a rough week for more than one reason. Uh, what about you? You were about in the same boat as me. so I was very busy. It's the first time in quite a while that I've worked 80 hours between my two real jobs, and so it was a very busy week for me. It was, yeah. It was a very... It was a very busy week for me, a very emotional week for uh, Father's Day and all that. And then uh, rolling up into it being uh, the situation right out of the gate with uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton. What about beautiful Bobby Eaton? Bobby woke up past Friday morning, his legs swelling and his feet and some places on his body. And uh, they rushed him to the hospital up in Nashville. And turns out he has a... Uh, congestive heart failure and it was reported at first that he had a heart attack but Cornette uh Jim Cornette decided uh to come free with with the information for everyone and told him that it was not a heart attack it was congestive heart failure now they're moving forward to help with that I have not spoken with his sister or with Brian Bobby was was really bad and uh if a lot of people probably don't know this uh but I know you can elaborate Bobby Eaton is like one of my closest friends and has mentored me through a lot in my younger years. And I just learned so much from him. I don't know Bobby like you do. Uh, Yeah. When you did that show in Rome, I was around him pretty much all day. Like you were, he's a very talented pro wrestler. He was probably ahead of his time. Uh, Did a lot of stuff off the top rope that a guy of his size wasn't really into doing uh, in the late eighties and early nineties. So I think in today's modern WWE, if he were was to come along with a more modern look, I don't know if the mullet's really going to fly in 2019, but I think he probably would have fit the right short in. Hair, the short hair he has now. Um, possibly. Possibly a better look than the giant mullet, but he, as a part of the Midnight Express, certainly made a giant impact in pro wrestling and uh, is regarded as one of the best wrestlers uh, probably to ever come out of the NWA, out of that yeah. that group trained and learned and had his first match right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've been to St. Louis, down to Atlanta, over to Knoxville, up into the uh Virginia mountains. I've we we've done a lot of shows together and we've we've traveled a lot of miles together and so uh, I really do hope that uh Bobby makes a full recovery. Uh, everything's looking good now though. I believe he's getting to go home. Here in a day or two, if he hasn't already gone home. Well, he's been in pretty poor health the last couple of years. Uh, there yeah. was a year or two ago where he got lost at, at an airport. and uh, In people, Atlanta. Yeah, where people were really worried about him. So it uh, hasn't been a pleasant couple of years for Bobby. But, yeah, certainly hope the, hope the best for uh, Bobby Eaton. Yeah, absolutely. Moving forward, um, somebody else who did not have a very good past few weeks Dana Brooke. Main event is taped before Raw each week, and Dana Brooke was featured in one of the, I think they taped two matches before Raw goes on the air at 8. So they start, they open the doors at like 6, and then main event tapes at 7, and then the show Raw starts at 8, goes on till 11. And so she was in one of the matches on main event against Sarah Logan, and she got busted open 
and they stopped the match. And yeah. so, have you seen a close up of it, or did you just? See I've the, seen the pictures. I haven't actually seen man the match. I don't know if the match made it into main event or if they just cut it entirely. There's but. a camera cell phone shot from a fan up in the stands, and he's on the other side. He or she, whoever, is on the other side of the ring. And so Dana Brooke rolls out onto the apron. Okay. She's on the ringside. Sarah Logan gets out and just takes this running start and knees her in the back of the head and had nowhere to go except straight face first into the uh the uh the post. The post, but like the, the electrical grid post that they have now. Right, like the LED. The LED post. yeah. And dude immediate blood a lot of blood and they just start throwing towels into the referee and to her and so it was a very scary moment in my opinion it shows a bit of a double standard between men's matches and having blood in them and females matches having blood in them because if this has happened on raw in the main event of raw i think it also has to do with main event and raw matches and the fact that main event is taped and raw isn't because if this happened on Raw, I think they would be pretty reluctant to just call the match based on someone bleeding hard way. Yeah. And, I mean, they don't do blading in WWE at all anymore. So, in the last few years, they've come around on blood because for a while there, they would stop the match and get the person cleaned up and send them back in there to finish the match. Now they'll let the match continue. They won't bring it to a complete halt but here this past monday they actually stopped the match and they might have stopped it more for the concussion reason that she actually hit her head pretty hard and instead of the blood but i just think that it's a it's kind of a double standard i i think it would be i would have more of a definite opinion on this if it happened during raw because like i said if it was on live tv i don't think they would throw in the towel literally as they did on main event because it was a taped match but if this was any other show, yeah. I just don't think that they would be calling the match. And also, like I said, I think it has to do with them being female. I'm sorry. I just think that that's a bias that they have. Yeah. Because it's not... I guess that's what so many people look back at a couple of months back when uh, Becky Lynch, broken nose, standing up right, there in the fans and just, you know, bloods all over her face. and That wasn't during a match, though. That no, was but I mean, a, it, it had happened in the ring, and she leaves throughout the fans. and Yeah, if she had been in a match, it's a, it's weird to think about, but you're talking about the entire main event of WrestleMania would get shifted around because if she was nose. in an actual match that night, they would have thrown out the match. She would have been, they would have taken a towel to her face and, and cleaned her up, and you wouldn't have never had that visual and never... Yeah. And that visual went a long way in making her the top baby face as far as the female wrestlers go. Part of me is glad that they are taking head injuries serious, but they're really not because a lot of times they don't. Just a few years ago, they had Brock Lesnar go in there and deliver elbows to Randy Orton's head. Oh, dude. So what's it going to be? Like, I just need some sort of maybe some policy laid out that just says this is what we do in the event of head trauma. Because I'm not upset that they stopped the match, but I just think that there should be a clear policy laid out where we don't have these instances where you have matches where people, it's a bloodbath and they're allowed to continue because it's two men or you stop it because it's two women or you stop it because it's two men because it's on main event or whatever. I just need some kind of clear directive. 
they right. they have it both ways with head injuries and blood. It's it's like, oh, we're doing our best to protect the athlete, but no, you're not, because sometimes you don't. So that's all it made me think about, really, was just their double standards about pretty much everything, but head injuries are included in their list of double standards. Even if they wanted to get out of the match, they could have had Sarah Logan pin her very quickly and end the match. But they decided to throw up the X and stop the match. And yeah. I just I think in any other instance in their programming, they wouldn't do that. You would have to be knocked out cold. You would have to have an Enzo Amore concussion where you are actually just knocked out for them to bring a stop to things. Because we've seen with, even in female matches, when Brie Bella is in there decking people and dropping people on their necks and nearly killing people they allow that to continue yeah so i just i just need a more consistent policy well, that's this, all. and this seems to be the same bitch that we're having every single week is it's okay for some it's not okay for others it's okay in this situation it's not okay in that one in pro wrestling in general this is an issue because just a few weeks ago you have dustin rhodes have a complete bloodbath oh and everyone says five-star match what a performance what a gutsy performance and then this week we say oh well it's a good thing they stopped her from wrestling with with some blood on her head so what's it gonna be i i just it's this double standard i understand okay listen not to cut you off but i understand the situation with well there's a difference in bloodborne pathogens and things like that in this day and age aids and hepatitis and all that kind of stuff that runs around uh, nowadays, you go. Well, there's be more also protective. There's also a difference in scheduling it in the match as part of the match. This is going to be part of the match. That Dustin Rhodes is going to get completely covered in blood, and that's the part of the match. Like that is plays into the story of the match, rather than just if he had busted his head open accidentally. Who knows what might have happened? They might have stopped that match too. But I just think it's it's just a really weird. It's only in pro wrestling that this so, exists. Opinion. Do you think blood has its place in wrestling nowadays again or no? To me, I think you can still have a great match without blood. Like, I think Dustin and Cody could have had a great match without blood, but without the blood, it wouldn't have been a five-star match because that added a certain element to the match. But also that was, in my opinion, the way I feel about blood in pro wrestling matches is if that's agreed to by the performers ahead of time that I'm going to blade, that that's going to be part of the storyline, I guess that's fine. It's not a concussion. It's not someone actually getting a head injury. It's someone cutting their their forehead. I don't think they should take a bunch of aspirin to make themselves bleed more or anything like that. But if that's something that they want to do, I mean, I guess that's really up to them. But as far as like someone getting their head busted open, yeah, I think they should stop the match in all pretty much any situation, I guess, because this match with Dana Brooke happened just a few days after Undertaker and Goldberg, which had a bunch of blood in it the hard way. The hard way. And that match was allowed to go with two performers in their mid-50s who are actually probably in a lot more danger than some young lady in her 30s. That's that's a very good point. So head injuries and blood caused by legit head injuries, we should probably stop the match just every time. Because if it's not supposed to happen, if the referee and everybody, and if that performer is not even in the right state of mind, we know with concussions, you're not in the right state of mind to say, oh, I can keep going. or We take it out of your hands and just say that's the match. Yeah. Sorry. You can go back to that. You can work that in the storyline and have a rematch down the road. And it's, I don't think anybody would really be upset with that. If it's a blade job and it's agreed to beforehand, and you can tell the audience also can clearly tell it's a blade job and not Dana Brooks' head getting smashed open, then I think it's okay. Well, 
side note, Dustin really covered it up very well because a lot of people thought he smacked that turnbuckle and did it that way, the hard way. And so there's zero chance that I believe that a 50 year old pro wrestler like <laughs> Dustin Rhodes is going to make the mistake of bashing his head in on a piece of the turnbuckle, which a wrestler's head would never get close to. So sorry. No, he I don't got, buy that. He got very, but I'm just saying the way in which it played out, it was very good cover up. Very good. Very well done. But even with the amount of blood, even if it was a scheduled blade job, with the amount of blood that he was losing, I could even see calling the match as well. Oh, dude, he he lost a lot of blood. Yeah, that so I don't know. Uh, what what are your feelings on blood in the sport of professional wrestling? It it has a it has a place, and that's gonna it's gonna piss so many people off. Here's my deal: if you are busted open the hard way, blade or no blade, if you're busted open the hard way, you keep going. Period. Well, that's very reckless of you, so and congratulations. Then, and then if it's at a point in time in which you can't, if you're like at serious injury, then yeah, you count her out. She should, Sarah Logan should have just pinned her right there and counted her out and a match. Because that's the thing. My whole argument for years have been the difference between pro wrestling and MMA is that MMA stops when somebody gets knocked out. Pro wrestling doesn't. And unfortunately, now they're going away from that. Well, unfortunately, nothing. They should stop if someone gets legitimately knocked out. Do you know how many times I've been knocked out in a wrestling ring? Well, then you should have stopped. It happened. You've got to stop. See, that's why the the decision can't be left to your hands. Because, of course, you're going to say, I'll keep going. Sure. Well, yeah. There's not a single wrestler out there that's like, oh, no, we got to stop it. Well, then that's, that's a problem in general with the psychology of pro wrestlers. Because... You got to stop. You got to live to fight another day. You can't end up with CTE and having dementia like someone like Vampiro has in their 40s or 50s. I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. So you have to self-preservation and if if you can't also and this is not to knock the Cody and Dustin match, but if you can't convey your storytelling without blood, then I think you've got a problem with how you wrestled to begin with because some of the best wrestling matches as far as storytelling goes, they didn't involve any blood. Like, I mean, you think about, like, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, the retirement match, and, like, I love you, I'm sorry, and all that stuff. That was done without Ric Flair gushing open with blood. Boyhood dream, WrestleMania 12. Yeah, Iron Man match, 60 minutes. Nobody did color. Yeah. So, some of the greatest matches of all time involve no color. But one of the greatest matches ever in NWA history was I Quit, Magnum TA, and Tully Blanchard. That match, yes or no, with or without blood. So without blood, do you think it would be a legendary match, or did blood make it a legendary match? I'm not so sure about that one, but I'm, I I would go to Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13 because that was a submission match. That wasn't some sort of blood stipulation. But without the blood, I don't know if Stone Cold... I mean, he was on his way to getting over anyway, but I don't know that he gets over. They do the double turn as effectively without the blood. So I don't know. Yeah, it has its place at certain points, but both of those instances were guys that knew when they were going, they signed up for that they're going to do color that night. It right. wasn't some shock. I agree. I agree. And do you agree with them, with WWE, in the fact of, if it's agreed upon beforehand, if it's known it's going to happen in the match, well, they've kind we're of got, okay with it. But 
if it happens the hard way, we're not okay with. Well, it. see, that's that's the thing is that they've done what they you can't blade anymore. I mean that that's very famous. I, I think that'll come back pretty pretty soon. Well, and they've allowed like Randy Orton to agreed to be busted open hard way by Lesnar at the end of that SummerSlam match. But I think that's wrong. I think that's the actual wrong approach to take. If you're gonna if you're gonna let someone bleed as part of a match or a storyline or to get someone over, then you should let them do it in the way that it doesn't impact head trauma. It doesn't involve them actually oh, I need to beat the shit out of you until you bleed and then you will bleed. Instead instead of just here cut yourself a little bit with a, a piece of metal and then we'll go on from there. And that way, even though you might have a scar on your forehead, you don't have brain trauma and see, they've moved away from blading. And so they've gone into this weird gray area where they seem to be okay with it in some instances of people getting busted open the hard way. And it's only hard way, one way or another stopping or letting matches continue. And I just think they need to pick a side of the fence and just stick to it and, live with it and if that's what they want to do if they want to allow wrestlers to have head injuries and continue in a match then that's what they'll do because to the public be damned they've never cared about really what the public thinks about what they do that's why they have a deal with saudi arabia that's why they do a lot of the things they do so just pick a side of the fence and stick to it and so on main event even though it's main event it's a taped show no one fucking watches it either let the match continue or stop it and they stopped it. That's okay, true. so is that going to be the rule from now on or not? That's that's true because, see, here's my thing. If Dana Brooke was able to continue, okay, and that was their ruling of stopping it, which no one knows, nothing has been said about it, but hypothetical, go with me on this. I hear, like, the very next morning, Tuesday fucking morning, dude, you missed the one of the best main events ever. I, you know, she gets busted open. Her and Sarah Logan went at each other. What do you think the hell I'm going to do come around the next week? I'm fucking tuning in and watching main event. Yeah, blood is an effective device in a match. I mean, it just is. It can take a terrible match and make it watchable. Yeah. Whatever backlash they would receive from allowing her to continue... I just think that they just brush it off like anything else. So I just, yeah. going forward, I'm going to be curious how they treat head injuries with blood. We've seen two very different treatments of wrestlers that are bleeding from their head. The hard way, too. Yeah, that were absolutely caused by no pre-planning of on, on these wrestlers' part. And in one case, they let it continue because we're in Saudi Arabia. We have a lot of money tied up in these shows, and this is our main event, so we better let that continue. And then in another case, oh, these are two low-card wrestlers on main event. Let's just stop it. Also, it kind of, like, if you stop a match on main event just because of blood, it's telling me that we already know the main event sucks and not to watch it, but now you're telling me, wow, they really do suck. That's what I'm saying. And had had the roles been reversed and she kept going... Okay. Well, I think, yeah, like like I said, if this was on Raw, if this was part of one of their live TV things and not, if this wasn't taped, if this was live, they pro- probably would have let it continue. But I'm just saying, had they even let it continue anyway, I'm believing that that's going to help drive people to be like, shit, I need to start watching main event, you know? They're Anything getting crazy happen, on main They're event. getting wild. They're getting reckless. So I, it's just my opinion that I think they need to take a step back, especially with the war in which they're about to really go to toe with. Uh, I think blood is going to start playing a much bigger role than what it has in the past. 
even if they went back to where they were a couple of years ago, where if someone got busted open hard way, that they would just doctor them up and let them continue. Because that, in MMA, that's what happens because a round is five minutes. So they're allowed to just bleed all over the place for five minutes. But when that round stops, they get a break and they get to go to their corner and they get treated by the cut man. And he puts Vaseline and he fixes you up the best he can. And then you go back out there and you look a lot better than you did going to the corner. Two minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, so if you ha- even if you have to do that and go back to that, I think people could accept that more than just saying, oh, I'm sorry, there's blood, we need to stop the match. Because it's two girls, it's two, and I still think it's... Yeah, that's, that was my other argument, was I think it was a sexist thing. Because, yeah. Because, oh, we can't have women out there bleeding. Well, what the, why not? Right, because as much as they like to toot their own, own horn about the women's evolution, and we're bringing... We're making women's wrestlers equal to men. Well, you just saw a men's match with blood continue on, and you stopped a women's match with blood. So, yeah. obviously, and you just had an entire pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia with no women's wrestlers. So, yeah, they're not treated equally. It, it really, that was, you brought up Goldberg and, and Taker, and I had completely forgot about that, and that that's your side of the argument. My side is that it was a sexist thing that, oh, well, it's two women. We can't, it's a woman's match. We can't have blood in it, so we got to stop it. Right, they're delicate. They need yeah. to they're little flowers and we need to stop the match because yeah. we can't have our ladies out there being violent. I don't know. That's that's it, the impression I got. From well, the that's the impression time. I got as well. That's why I brought it up that I just kind of think Even though Dana Brooke is this Dude, Dana Brooke is a beast. weightlifter. This, yeah. She could beat the shit out of me. Yeah. I mean, she could own Vince's ass. I mean, she is a jacked up She's good. This isn't like Terry Runnels, someone who's not even five feet tall and eighty right. pounds, getting out yeah. there ragdolled, and it doesn't even it doesn't even matter their size. That's I'm, but I'm just saying it, it's not. They're not too. It's not the Bella Twins going out there and busting each other open. That's true. That's true. You you bring up the Bella Twins. Um, Nikki Bella has officially, and we have said this three times now already on this podcast. But I'm going to say it for the fourth time because apparently, hopefully now, it is the truth. Nikki Bella is officially retired from wrestling because she has some herniated discs and a cyst on her brain. Yeah, this was uh, brought up on Total Divas or Bellas when she actually announced her retirement a few months ago. And it's only because she was on Jimmy Fallon earlier uh, last week. And she was on there with her sister. I forget what they were promoting. I think like a fashion line or something. And she just casually mentioned that, oh, I'm I'm not going to wrestle again because I got a cyst on my brain and I got a messed up neck. And Jimmy Fallon just glossed over this because he can only do a funny interview. He can't do anything serious. And then Bree said, oh, yeah, I'm not wrestling anymore either because I had a baby. Like she, So it was totally made for comedy, but... Yeah, her neck is messed up. It's been messed up. When she came back to do that match with John Cena, her fiance at WrestleMania 33, her neck was messed up then. Yeah. So this was somebody who was already working on limited time, really, as far as how much longer she could go in the ring. They were able to get her back to have that match with Ronda Rousey, which I guess was pretty important to them to sort of... The pat in their mind, the passing of the torch between our last greatest women's wrestler, who, by the way, I think she is a terrible wrestler. I think both the Bellas are terrible wrestlers. Horrible. I saw someone on Twitter 
saying after she announced her retirement, oh, they brought a lot of new eyes to WWE. No, they didn't. They brought zero eyes to WWE. And that that's not just them. Across the board, the ratings for WWE programming have been in a slide for many, many years. So you could even say John Cena hasn't brought any new eyes to the WWE. As great of a character and person and actor that he is, he's brought zero new eyes to the WWE. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, the Bell Twins, yeah, they were shit wrestlers, but they brought a lot of new fans to the sport. No, they didn't bring any fans to the sport because even if you like them on Total Divas or Total Bellas, that's probably how you like them. You yeah. don't like if you see them on Total Divas and Total Bells. I don't think you're tuning into Raw on Monday saying, "Oh, I got to see these gals wrestle." You you like the reality show characters of that. Well, I was gonna say, let let for some people out there that don't really understand how TV works, and I'm surprised you haven't caught on. But reality TV is not actually real. Yeah, and I mean that that itself is just goes to show you that. It's not like they were as big of a deal as, oh, well, they brought reality TV on, on E onto our product. They just, they brought eyes there. They, they didn't do shit. Plain and simple. No, I mean, they, they left the company once before they were brought back to do the reality show. They wanted to be in pro wrestling so that they could become socialites. They wanted to be the Kardashians and in some ways they've done it. So congratulations. I feel bad for her because she's been forced into retirement because I think most people, including myself, thought, well, she'll eventually be back. And she might still be back because because you have a cyst on your brain. That doesn't mean that's the end of the road because Daniel Bryan, they said the same thing about him two or three years ago, came back to wrestling. He had a cyst. I didn't know that. I thought it was just concussion. He had something, yeah. He, had, he claimed to have had something visible on his brain and they allowed him to come back. I know multiple wrestlers that have dark spots where it's kind of like dead cells in their brain and uh, they still wrestle. So herniated disc, on the other hand, I have herniated disc, not in my neck, but in my back. So I understand the pain she's going through, but you can deal with it and you can fight through it and you can still keep wrestling. Well, uh, I mean, to your own detriment, though, I mean, it's just like, I mean, Kurt Angle, who had multiple problems with his neck. I mean, you you could say that, Oh, well, he toughed it out. He hung in there for a while, but he went through some really dark times. It's not like... Well, yeah, I'm not saying he... It's not something I would advise you to continue to do. If you have any neck problems at all, no. and I think Stone Cold Steve Austin would be the first to tell people this, is get out while you're still healthy enough to have a productive life outside of re- wrestling. If you can get out and you've already made your money, in his case, and in Nikki Bella's case, they've made their money. They don't need to stay in it. And even if you have to stay in it, I mean, just remember that this is going to catch up to you at some right. point. But Austin was able to get out before we ever saw the dark side of it for him because he just he knew that this is it. And I'm not and multiple offers to come back. I mean, I'm sure for one of these Saudi Arabia shows, they would just back up the Brinks truck and just oh yeah offer him the world. And he's going to say no, because he. I might live to regret this because we've got like eight more years of these Saudi Arabia shows and who knows if he'll ever say, well, I think I'm going to take the money and do one. But I think someone like him or someone like Mick Foley can tell you what happens when you keep wrestling, even when you're fucked up with your legs and your hips and your back and everything else. I mean, he was a walking example of why you don't continue to wrestle, especially he had made enough money by that point. Even reality TV like uh, 
the the Mick Foley show on the network. Um, Mick Foley, it is true though, in all seriousness, that uh, he does have to do a lot of stretching and yoga to get those muscles and stuff working in the mornings. Because if not, then he can't move, and that is how bad his body has beat down. And so, yeah, uh, it's very true. Take care of yourself to a degree. Do the best that you can to a degree, and then. You're taking into your own hands, you know, your own health as to what is and is not important and how far are you willing to go to pay the sacrifice. Uh, And someone like Nikki Bella has no, there's no reason for her to continue. Right. Because there's no one out there saying, oh man, she's such a great performer and she's a main event WrestleMania one year. Right. Or that she, yeah, she didn't get the push that she deserved or she got everything she got she got as much as you can get out of being a female wrestler in that company she actually got more because she got this fashion line the reality show her and her sister are now socialites just like they wanted they got everything they wanted so there's no reason to go in there and risk your health for something that quite frankly no one wants to see you do ever again anyway so that's just the reality. You think now they're going to stay on the uh, WWE payroll? I think as long as E keeps renewing that television show. But, I mean, their their connections to the WWE as far as with Brie being married to Daniel Bryan and with their mom being married to John Laurinaitis, they have connections to the WWE. I mean, right. and who knows if Nikki Bella will end up getting back together with John Cena. So they can always hold out hope for that. Uh, she's with her dancer. I think the WWE appreciates them because they did get them the reality show and they got them on E and they'll continue to have a relationship. I don't, I don't see either of the Bella twins going to AEW. I don't think anyone's sitting around hoping that, you know, one of them gets their release and can go wrestle someplace else. Very true. Moving forward, Maria Manic. If you don't know her, you better start paying attention to her and really learn that name. Maria Manic, who is a phenomenal wrestler, outstanding women's wrestler, has signed a contract with Ring of Honor. And let me tell you, folks, she is one of the best in a wrestling ring today. I have seen it firsthand. I have watched her put on five-star classics and gymnasiums. Well, she's only 22 years old, so she's got a lot of time left to develop. And I don't know how much longer Ring of Honor is going to stick around or impact at this rate just because of how dead the products seem. Um, I think AEW is going to kind of really take a strong blow to both of them. Oh, definitely. Like we've mentioned several times before, I mean, there's an arms race for talent. And if you're not getting top tier talent, and even if you're getting as great as she is, she's only 22. So she's going to be pretty green in a lot of high profile situations. It'll get her TV time. I don't see, I don't see Sinclair bailing on Ring of Honor anytime soon, especially because they bought all these Fox Sports networks. They bought like 21 or 22 of these Fox Sports networks. So they're going to need to fill that time with programming. So Ring of Honor could actually still have a presence going forward for several more years. So it's a good way to get on TV. It's a good way to get noticed by WWE or AEW. But that's really what you're using Ring of Honor for. It's just a vehicle to go 
to somewhere else. That's the thing. Ring of Honor for all these years could have actually took the next step and been a major player. And for some reason, they never wanted to. And I, that's one thing that has baffled me. Before WWE started investing so much in NXT, and even after NXT came along, a lot of the high-profile signees to NXT were people from Ring of Honor. I mean, you go... Adam Cole. I mean, you go Christopher. The entire Undisputed Era. Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly. I can take you one back better. Samoa Joe. Uh, Seth Rollins. Dan- Tyler Black. Daniel, Bar- uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, Kevin Owens. AJ Styles. Yeah, I mean, so long, for a long time, they were a de facto developmental ground. They weren't compensated for that, and they weren't treated special for that, but it turned out they were... They were basically the developmental territory for most of the roster now. It seems like most of the stars on the roster, outside of a Roman Reigns and a few other exceptions of guys that just came up through the WWE farm system, came from Ring of Honor, or at one point stopped in Ring of Honor on their way. So, But they're not really... Now that NXT is established, it seems like WWE's focused more on that instead of signing names from Ring of Honor. Once you sign all the top names, eventually those organizations now have to start building their own rosters back up because there are no top names. So it's going to be a while, I think, before we see Ring of Honor or Impact get to the level where you say, oh, their their top guy is ready. Or, you know, you see, yeah. you can see the next wave of people. I think it's it's a few years away now. Well, she, I'm serious. She is definitely one to keep your eyes on. So you brought up Impact Wrestling. Davey Boy Smith Jr. is not re-signing with New Japan Wrestling, though. When his contract is up here shortly, he is going to go with Impact and still work MLW. So he is choosing Impact Wrestling over New Japan. Enlighten me on that thought process, please. Well, I mean... Because even with New Japan, he was getting to do his MLW thing. So he is jumping from one to another, and I just see no win for this situation because I put New Japan on a much higher pedestal than I do Impact. Well, my suspicion is that it wasn't actually an option for him to re-sign. I think he just, I think he was just saving face by saying, "I'm choosing not to re-sign." Uh, he was in a tag team in New Japan when he was there. I mean, he was a featured player, but he wasn't prominent. And I'm sure it was very disheartening to see someone like John Moxley sweep in and get the kind of role that he's been given when you're already you've been over there and you've not advanced to a, an upper tier part of the card. And with Impact, he can stay at home in Canada, be closer to his family because now they're a Canadian company since they're owned by Anthem. And with MLW, he can continue to work with uh, Teddy Hart and Brian Pillman Jr. and do the Hart Foundation thing so he can be with his friends. And so I actually think this is kind of, even if he was offered another contract with New Japan, if he just wants to be closer to home, I think this makes more sense for him to do, even if it's for less money, because he can still work with those impact contracts. You can still work indies in America and Canada. And you don't have to do you go see, over to Japan. Do you see someone like him being an AEW signee? I, I listen. not not at this time. I, I don't see uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. 
heading over there. As as cool as we are together, I, I got to tell you, bro, you have not been bringing it the way in which you could in a wrestling ring for a very long time. So, in my opinion, no, he hasn't. He hasn't proven to me that he earns that spot. I mean, he's only thirty three, so he's got it. Which is hard to believe because it seems like he has been around for a long-ass time. Yeah, he was brought up to the WWE main roster. Like 19, probably. 19, 20. Uh, 11 years ago, so 22, 21, around then. So, yeah, it feels like he's been around forever, but he's only 33. I mean, he wrestled a match with his father, so... And his father's been dead now for 16 years, so... Yeah. um, 17 years. So yeah, it does. It does feel like uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, has been around for a while, but another second generation uh, star in New Japan, Cody Hall. Do you see the son of Hall of Famer Scott Hall possibly making his way back to the states as well, or do you think he's going to stick it out over in New Japan and do what he's been doing? Well, Cody Hall hasn't been with New Japan for a while. He was he was injured in 2016, and New Japan let him go in January of 2017. Then he went to NOAA in Japan and was let go from them back in February. He's only 28, so yeah, eventually I could see him making his way over, but he's had some uh, attitude problems from what I what I hear and uh he has I know firsthand. But he's definitely got the size and the body type that WWE would just love. Yeah. Uh so maybe one day down the road um both of those guys I could see end up being back in the in the fold with WWE. I mean, Davy Boy Smith Jr was featured on that um Bret Hart Lost Match documentary. Yeah. He was one of the guys that was interviewed. So I mean they they've already kind of opened the the lane of communication back up with him, so yeah, eventually I can see both of those guys making their way to WWE. We're on second generation, so let me throw another one out there for shits and giggles. Uh, Timothy Zabisco. Uh, no, no. Really? It's nothing to do with his... I mean, I've only seen him wrestle the one time when when you were down there for a show in Georgia, but it has nothing to do with his ability or anything else. It has to do with his look and his size, and it's just not going to fly. It's just not going to, there's no way. Really? I hate to say it, but you have to have, when you have his look and when you're as small as he is, you have to have something just extraordinarily great within you as far as your ability to perform. Like, he's not as as short as someone like rock star spud Drake Maverick, but Drake Maverick is an amazing talent when he's able to speak. And that's why Drake Maverick has been part of this 24-7 thing and been the GM on 205 Live because they found a role for him in pro wrestling. And for Timothy Zabisco, it's just, I don't see any of that there. I don't I don't see that extra. I mean, it's just like, why does Hornswoggle always get work? Because Hornswoggle has something. It's not just like, you can get any little person you want to to be in a wrestling ring, but what does Hornswoggle bring that they don't? And that's character and stuff yeah. like that. And Unfortunately, Timothy Zabisco just doesn't have... See, he has that... For me, he has kind of that, like his dad or like um, Chris Candido, you know. I don't need a gimmick. I'm Timothy Zabisco. I'm son That's of a, a terrible gimmick. I'm son of a Hall of Famer. I can back it up, you know. 
No, that doesn't so, always mean anything. You so I, I think Ted I don't DiBiase know. Jr. I think well, yeah, Ted DiBiase Jr. Who? Uh, Giant flame out. Really? You don't think he was successful at all? Not for the level of attention that he was given in that company. I mean, not for the level of push that he was multiple attempts to get this guy over. I mean, to the point where they're bringing back fucking Virgil to walk out with this guy. Just anything. <laughs> that was great. Anything. That Give him the million-dollar belt. Nothing. Just nothing. Just dead. Well, he had Maurice first, you know. Of course, yeah. He had all this, yeah, all this behind him. And, I mean, being paired in legacy with Cody Rhodes and Randy Orton and nothing. You couldn't you couldn't get anywhere out of that. They were plus, good as a tag team before they put Randy Orton with them. Plus a role in WWE films and the Marine Two and all this shit. Like <laughs> you can't say they didn't invest a That's lot of true. money that into him and That's they got true. nothing out of it. That's very, very true. I will admit to that. It's very true. And so yeah. He could have he could have been something, but just wasn't there. It's just not there with some people. But uh there's our quick little second generation. Okay, no, one more. Brian Pillman Jr. Oh, Brian Pillman Jr. is very, very He's young. very young, and he's just getting his start, and let me tell you, dude, he is going to be big. I straight out of the gate. But, I mean, you saw him on the AEW, little blip of him in the uh, Battle Royal there on AEW's. I mean, Brian Pillman Jr. is only 25. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I... One day, one day he'll be in the WWE probably or AEW. I mean, he well, he's that, already been there. He was that blip, but I mean, full time contract, full time run. Yeah, I, I he's someone that I could build a cruiserweight division around in AEW. He's he's the Takamichi Noku. That's a ridiculous comparison, that, but no, it's not. They you, got Takamichi Noku in '97. WWF built WWE built around him to create well, they didn't him and build Brian anything. him and Brian Christopher. They built and so a, they built out of two people. They what built a, build. a division out of those two people. Right or wrong? Who else? Who else did they fucking have? Well, no, I mean that's what they didn't. They never went anywhere. And okay, I mean Takamishinoku just proved pretty much what still continues to this day, and that's Japanese stars or anybody that doesn't speak English as your first language in the WWE is never going to be given anything. Because we've seen it now time and time again with Shinsuke Nakamura. He's not even on the stomping grounds pay-per-view. You're talking about the the Royal Rumble winner from a year ago. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, who else? He's completely fallen off the face of the earth. And... You go with someone like uh, Andrade. He's not on the pay-per-view either. Doesn't speak English as his first language. Fuck him. Get him out of here. (laughs) And as much shit as Vince Russo has said, one thing that, and he gets called a racist for it or whatever, because he said, oh, bro, if you don't speak English as your first language, bro, you're not going to make it in this business, bro. Well, he means that in the WWE, and he's 100% right in the WWE because it's been proven time and time again. If if Rey Mysterio Jr. didn't speak any English, fucking forget about it because he would just end up like Sin Cara, a guy in a mask or a guy like Lince Dorado or Grand Metalik or anybody else that's ever had a mask in there or doesn't speak English, fuck them. Who knows? I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. <laughs> or they turn them into comedy. They give them the fucking translator bit. Like Funaki or whatever, like 
It's MCU. just time and time again. It's just does does Grand Malik does he uh, is he still with the company? Lucha House Party is still together. They were in uh, Lars Sullivan's last match. Who now he's injured, which I don't think he injured himself in those matches. I I don't know how he got hurt, but he's gonna be out until next year. He's so. okay. Listen, he is a walking injury prone individual and WWE needs to let him go as quick as they can. I don't think he's injury prone. If you remember his, his debut was delayed because he was having panic attacks. Okay. And they were very understanding with him and they let him figure it out or whatever, and then decide to come in whenever he was ready. And so he came in when he was ready and then people brought up his old posts in the weightlifting forum where he said some terrible things about everybody. Some people that are still on the roster and then he gets hurt. So he's just had a string of bad luck. I don't... I understand people have mental issues, okay? You've been in a wrestling ring in NXT. You've busted your ass to get to the main roster. And then you have a panic attack, okay? Now listen, I can understand having a panic attack. But you know what? Here's my deal. There is 50,000 different people behind you willing to take that spot. I'm getting my shit together, and I'm at least going out there and showing what I can. Not take my shit and go home because I'm having a panic attack. Yeah, but you say that, that there was all these people willing to take his spot, but there's not because he's a giant, and so he was booked differently. It wasn't like he was just one of many. He was a giant, and when they see a giant come along, when Vince sees any sort of giant come along, his <laughs> mouth flies open, and he just says, Oh, my God, I got to get in there. And so it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he took a break. It did, I don't think that had any... But I don't think he's that tall. Is he? He's like, what, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, he's my height. Compared to the rest of the roster, which has gotten a lot smaller over the years, yeah, he's a giant. I, I think he probably comes face-to-face with Brock Lesnar, who is now considered a giant. When when Brock came in, he was, I would say, average size based on the kind of mass these fucking guys had That's true. in the early 2000s. But now Brock is a giant compared to someone like a Seth Rollins or an AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan. People I know. Are, I tower over half the fucking roster. Yeah. So if you, you could be a giant in there. Um, no, I'm not going to. I don't. I don't care if people have panic attacks or whatever. If they don't want to wrestle, they don't want to wrestle. And then it's up to them and the company to figure something out. I think he was given a great opportunity, and it's unfortunate that he got injured. And But I don't. this isn't going to be the end of the road for him because he's a giant, and giants always get... So, Vance, you think Vince is going to keep him and he'll, he'll be around for quite a while? Oh, definitely. I mean, I said that... He hasn't impressed me. I know. I, I mean, I could say the same thing. I would have told you... Prior to them releasing Colin Cassidy, Big Cass, I would have said the same thing. Is this guy, he's a made man because he's tall. It doesn't matter how he does in the ring. He's tall. It's just like, why is Baron Corbin going up for the Universal title at Stomping Grounds? Because he's sort of tall. That's pretty much it. It gets you so far in the company to be tall. and That's the only link that they have with the 80s that they still want to try to keep. It's definitely a Vince thing. It doesn't matter how you are in the ring. If you're tall, that is the best job security you can have. You can be the shittiest wrestler. You can be Baron Corbin. You can be Great Kali. If you're tall, man, you are. It's just whenever. You're made. Yeah, it's just whenever you want to say stop or you have to screw it up enough to 
get fired. And I don't think he screwed it up enough to get fired. I think he it's unfortunate timing with the injury. But, I mean, his current program was against Lucha House Party, so it wasn't like he was... I think down the road he was being pushed as... They're really short on heels in general, and I think eventually he was going to be a top heel, but it was going to be a while anyway. So I think maybe it's actually pretty good if you're going to pick a time to get out with an injury I think right now when business is pretty bad go ahead and step away for a while and by the time he comes back it's only supposed to sideline him until maybe next year yeah by the time you come back the company is going to be different because Smackdown is going to be on Fox and USA is going to be having Raw and so the entire company is going to feel different so it's not a bad time to to dip out because he wasn't going to factor into main events anytime soon anyway. So, yeah. I I haven't personally been impressed by him in the ring. I'm not I gonna, haven't either. I'm not going to sit here and say like, "Oh, he's And I also think his look is not something that I think Baron Corbin is bad as his look is. At least he looks like a giant. Well, he has something he has, to him. Yeah. But uh you throw you throw red trunks on on a guy with black boots and you're like here you go go out there and he just looks like some inbred hillbilly and like oh well you look like a monster then a freak yeah 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 i i haven't been super impressed by him but he's tall so the door is always open for tall people um wwe there's a new game out wwe universe it is an app game it is in your app store I downloaded this. I have played it for two weeks. Then, for some reason, last week, I go to play it, and it says, update required. Okay, not a problem. I go to my app store. I'm going to update it. It tells me that my phone is automatically, for some reason, now not compatible with the game. So, I have the same phone as you. I have a... No, you have an Android. I have... Okay, I have a Samsung Android, and you have... Well, which Samsung? Like a Galaxy? What do you have? Yeah, Galaxy. Okay. I have an iPhone. This is the uh, 6S. So I'm a few generations behind. And can you pull it up? That is the true element here. Well, it's loading, so it's going to take me a second. Do I want to learn how to play? I guess Well, if it's letting you play, then you're on. Well, it's now the loading screen is ticking up, so it's not good. And well, it, it takes it a second to count to the hundred, but I, I like the fact that it gives you the numbers to keep count all the way up to a hundred. All right, it's letting me wrestle as Triple H, and I can join. So I can. I'm facing Seth Rollins, and that's your that's your tutorial walkthrough on how to play. Yeah, you just press a button. Yeah, gonna hit the spine buster on him. So it still works for me, I guess. So, and now, like for me, when I go into my app store here, because I ended up obviously deleting it because it was just taking up space in my phone. Um, when I go into my app store here to say I'm going to re-download it, okay? I can't even re-download it. It will not let me install it. It says right here, your device is not compatible with, Oh, that's a bummer. So, your device isn't compatible with this version. 
this is something that happens not just with this app, but all apps in general, is sometimes they they make updates to these things, and your phone is automatically programmed to get the updates. And then at a certain point, they decide to only make the updates available to newer phones or newer whatever, and then your app won't even work at all. It hasn't happened to me yet with this iPhone. I, I can still get like the operating system upgrades on this phone, but... This phone is probably on the chopping block in the next year or two. And when that happens, yeah, I'm going to be shit out of luck on a, a lot of apps because I have an old iPhone 4 that my dad gave me because he got a new phone. And so this one doesn't have any cell phone stuff, but I can just walk around the house with it or whatever. And just basic apps, even like the Twitter app and stuff, I, I don't think I can use on it because it's an older phone. And different app manufacturers, they just decide we're not going to support whatever this is anymore and they're just done and they move on and it's kind of the danger in like smart TVs and Roku boxes and fire TV sticks is that you have them for a while and then eventually those manufacturers of those apps say we're not going to support whatever one you have and then you have to buy another one it's a way of making you buy new tech so like if you were really in love with this game to the point where you had to have it you'd go down to the phone store and get another phone just to play the game. I don't think it's that important to you. It's not. Uh, but that's that's basically the, the scam of all the apps and all the new technology. That Technology has always gotten outdated, but now it's to the point where even if your phone is perfectly capable of doing what it's always done, they take that away from you. Yeah. So. All right. Last but certainly not least, we have a brand new sale going on tickets for uh, a pay-per-view tomorrow night. Stompy Ground ticket sales are buy one, get one free. And they have been for almost a month now. Yeah, by the time you're hearing this, Stomping Grounds 2019 from Washington State will have already taken place. And yeah, ticket sales were bad for it, but ticket sales for B pay-per-views aren't really great to begin with. I think this one was made worse because it's a lot of rematches from the Saudi Arabia card. And heading into Super Showdown, all the focus was on Super Showdown. So even on TV, there wasn't any any hype for stomping grounds. They could set up the women's matches early because they're not allowed in Saudi Arabia. So those matches were actually plugged before Super Showdown. But then all the men's matches had to wait until after Super Showdown. So that gives you two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, basically, to build. Some of the matches on this card were announced at Super Showdown. Some of them you had two weeks build tops. So yes. what kind of, what do you expect? If I said, hey, Patrick, in two weeks from now, we're going to have a wrestling show down down the street. Do you want a ticket? You say, fuck no, I don't want a ticket. What, what are you going to have there? Don't worry about it. I'll handle it. Just buy the ticket. Okay, well, you're asking the wrong person. Well, you say wrestling show. I'm well, there. of course, you just buy it regardless. <laughs> like we've talked about with live events before, you're asking someone to throw right. down yes. $120. Yeah. Why? This company has been so bad about bait and switch on Raw in the past few weeks. With A few weeks ago, they, they said Brock is definitely going to cash in tonight. Bait and switch. Didn't fucking happen. The week heading into stomping grounds. Baron Corbin is going to choose a special guest referee for his match. Bait and fucking switch. Didn't fucking do it. So they haven't been delivering on TV on their promises. 
So what would make you as a fan say, I trust them to well, come through? And this is not a, this is a long story for them. This is, they have a history of bait and switch. This isn't like random once or twice a year type thing. We're talking about back when I was a teenager and they would do house shows here in town. Triple H on three separate occasions. Wasn't going to work Chattanooga. He's going to be there. And then you get there and they're like, listen, he's not here. And they give you some bullshit excuse. He had travel problems. He had a family problem. He had a family emergency. He couldn't because he's sick. So whatever the fuck it was. And they give you till the end of the first match to go back up to Will Call and get your money back for your ticket. Well, I've already fucking paid to park and walked my ass all the way here. I'm not leaving. And they know people are going to be that way. So, but I mean, the same damn thing happened with Ric Flair twice till he finally come the third time. He no showed down here. Um, I mean, there has been multiples and we're talking house shows are the worst that if you're promoted to be there and you're like, holy shit, Brock Lesnar's going to be Brock Lesnar's not coming. Oh yeah. Well, and now with this wild card rule, they've been pulling a lot of wrestlers from the SmackDown house shows that were on Mondays, they've been pulling a lot of those wrestlers to go be on Raw. So, yeah, they continue doing that with house shows. But in no in no recent history would I trust them to just blindly buy a ticket. Unless I know it's going to be a major show like a WrestleMania where I need to get the ticket early. And it's regardless of what the card is, it's for the experience. It's for going to WrestleCon and Access and doing all the things around WrestleMania where... It's a vacation. It's not just, it doesn't really matter what they put on the show. I'm still going to go and I'm going to, that's what I'm going to spend my money on. And if you're asking me to spend comparable money just for the ticket to go to some B show that you haven't even announced a match for two weeks in advance. Uh, no, that's a big no. Okay. Reality. I'm putting you on the spot. Hell in a cell is two months away. Oh yeah. September. It's in Atlanta. Correct. It's in Atlanta. In September, okay? Yeah, September 15th. Two months, more or less. You're two, two and a half months away. Are you buying and going? Even with the gimmick of the cell, because now this isn't Hell in a Cell from 2000 or 2001. This is PG era Hell in a Cell where there will never be a King of the Ring 98 ever again. (laughs) So that's why they don't do King of the Ring anymore. Well, but there's never going to be a Hell in a Cell match like that. And you don't have to go through a cell or off the cell because Bad Blood 97, the first one between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, was a fine match. No, I don't trust them at all to, for whatever <laughs> match they're going to put in there because Bailey and Alexa Bliss might be in the Hell in a Cell. That's it. I have zero interest in seeing that match ever again. Not just at Stomping Grounds, but at Hell in a Cell. They can put it in an elimination chamber and an inferno match. I have zero interest in this match. And so, no, I'm not going to just blindly buy a ticket for that. And even if it's two for one, I'm not going to do that. Like, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm probably, maybe if I live down the street from the arena in Atlanta, I would maybe think about it. Cause I can just drive down. No one lives down the street in Atlanta. So if I have to go more than 10 minutes for it, no, it's probably, hey, well, you're probably going to go two hours. South and because it's hell in a cell, and I'm buying tickets. That's ridiculous. Just, Don't am. go to that. I am. So you'll regret it the rest of your days. <laughs> so, 
I just I don't know when they go on sale. When do tickets go on sale, Alex? Please inform our fans here now that you haven't pulled up. So I guess they're not on sale yet. All right, we're getting ringside. No, we're not getting we're ringside. We're going to watch. Don't waste the money on that stuff. We are. We're getting ringside, and we're going to watch Randy Orton jump off the top of the cell. Yeah, he's known for his high flying, definitely. <laughs> on top of Triple H, and that'll be that. So. <laughs> That's okay. You talk about cell matches. Going into this past week's review, you, uh, you gave us a little change up. Yeah, back before WWE was doing Hell in a Cell titled pay-per-views and they've still never done this to where every match would be in the hell in a cell right every match is in the cage tna uh now impact wrestling decided hey let's just put every match in a cage does every match need to be in a cage no put them all in the cage why not because it's easier just to put up the cage and forget about it rather than go out there and build it in the middle of the show. TNA doesn't have that kind of manpower, so just leave out the cage all night and just everybody can fight in there. And then the challenge is to come up with different ways of doing a cage match because they're going to need to do all their matches in the cage, but every match can't be... The same fucking match. Yeah, you King gotta- of the Ring 98. They can't all have bloody gruesome high spot matches for just 10 straight matches because that'd get a little old and ridiculous especially when you get into lower card feuds it's like really guys you're doing all this because you're the james gang and you broke up (laughs) no so i picked tna's lockdown 2008 which is a show that i didn't watch live i did watch one of the lockdown cards live i think it was maybe the 2007 edition and I enjoyed it. I thought it was an, a novel concept. It's something certainly that hasn't been done really since uh, TNA has done this. And it's something that I think I think there's something to it. Uh, you can argue about the results. It though. puts your it puts your it puts your locker room on their toes creatively to be like, well, damn, I'm coming out the fifth match. Well, shit, I've got to watch and do something completely different and unique to make my match stand out over the first four, you know? So it's, it's very, it's a unique concept. It's April 13th, 2008. We're in Lowell, Mass. So outside of Boston. And if you wanted to know what was going on in the WWE, this was coming off of WrestleMania 24. And so they were heading into backlash. So this was the, WrestleMania where Flair retired. What they did at Backlash two weeks after this card was Undertaker and Edge in a rematch from WrestleMania. And then Triple H took on John Cena, JBL, and Randy Orton in a fatal four-way. And that young and -and up-and-comer Triple H took his world title back just as soon as he could after WrestleMania season. So that's what the WWE was up to. In TNA, the major storyline is... Angle and Samoa Joe, which we've already covered their first pay-per-view match together. Genesis 2006. So this is a rivalry, almost two complete years in the making, where Kurt Angle showed up after quitting the WWE, and he just wanted the best wrestler in the world. And so he challenged Samoa Joe, and now these two, Samoa Joe had lost, I think... Two, straight to him. Two of their three previous matches. And so to get this match, he said... I'll put my career on the line. 
And it's 2019 and Samoa Joe's wrestling on Sunday, so I think we know how this pay-per-view turned out for (laughs) Samoa Joe. It's wrestling, so you can't always trust that. That is true. Mike Tanay welcomes us to lockdown as we get a pre-tape of him in the ring all by himself in the dark ring and the empty arena. And he stresses to us that Samoa Joe's career is on the line. A hype video talks about steel and how it destroys everyone and everything it touches. Yes, metal just comes to life. The harbinger of hell, it's called. Be afraid. Be very afraid. God have mercy on their souls. As this is very much reminiscent of a David Sahadi joint from WWE. This seemed like it was right out of his playbook here. It was. It seems very cliche. Almost like a Judgment Day type. Yeah, deal. it was like, it yeah, was an entrance. copy and yeah. paste from Judgment Day whatever year. Yeah. We get big pyro to start the show. TNA can afford pyro, but in 2019, WWE doesn't do pyro anymore. But TNA could. And I don't understand why. Too expensive, Patrick. You don't even get that shit that much at WrestleMania now. That's true. They don't do it that much at WrestleMania. Super Showdown, they did it. So they do it when they're getting Saudi Arabia money and when they do WrestleMania. And that's about it. Don West is in the crowd and getting them stirred up. He's hyping them up. And he's probably selling some t-shirts while he's at it. He asked the fans, hey, Samoa Joe or Kurt Angle? Three say Samoa Joe. One fan, of course, he needs to disagree, so he says Kurt Angle. Jeremy Borash is up in the upper deck of this small arena. They were only in front of 5,500 people here, so when I say Jeremy Borash is in the cheap seats, they're not really that far up. (laughs) He's in the upper deck, and he asks the kids, hey, do you want Joe or Angle? He gets one Joe and one angle. And Mike Tanay is ringside waiting for Don West to come back to join him. We're off to the races with the X Division title up first. This is an X Division escape match. And then we get the X Factors, which is not... It's not Sean Waltman's finishing move. It's the X Factors of the match. The tale of the tape. And we go over each of the competitors and what they need to do to win this match. It's an elimination match in the cage until the final two. Okay, here are the rules. That you get eliminated, and then the final two, they have to escape. So it's pinfall submission until they have to escape. Is that correct? Correct. All right, out first is Curry Man. You know him better as the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. Current AEW wrestler, Christopher Daniels as Curry Man, which this was a um, character. I don't really understand it. It's something I've never understood. Curry Man. Yeah, I know. But people liked it. People liked it. It worked. Well, people always said he was too bland, so right. it gave him something to do. And it works, as I like Christopher Daniels. But it works also if ever you're, if they've just, they've seen so much of you, put on a mask, change your gimmick, they don't know any of the wiser, you're still working, and yet that character, which is you in general, isn't in front of the camera. So you can take a break without take a, taking a break. Exactly. Then Johnny Devine, who comes out with a tripod, like a camera tripod, and a kendo stick, as he wants to tape this match. He wants to uh, bootleg this match. Who the hell is Johnny Devine? I don't know. I wasn't very impressed with Mr. Devine in this match. And to date this show to 2008, he has a Handycam, a Sony Handycam, and he also has a massive chain wallet in his tights. Then Consequences Xavier Woods Creed comes out. Yes, a very young Xavier Woods. Just his second match in TNA, as we're told. 
Then Sanjay Dutt, who was doing the Love Guru gimmick, which the Love Guru is basically the film that ended Mike Myers' film career. So it's hilarious to me that they took a bad film that ruined a guy's career and then gave that to someone as a gimmick. So there you go, Sanjay Dutt, who's now an agent in the WWE. I haven't seen him in any more movies until... That was like his last yeah. movie. I mean, yeah. it was just that bad that nobody wanted to... He's also gotten a reputation for being an asshole on the set, and I think that was that played in. That was like the last straw. Then proof that if you do steal someone's gimmick, steal people right. love you, yeah. and uh, people love the Stone Cold Steve Austin gimmick. So you know what, Shark Boy, he saw an opportunity, and he became Stone Cold Shark. Boy. Oh shell, yeah, the best run of his career. That and really is. And you can sit here and say, oh, well, he's just aping Stone Cold's gimmick, but it works, man. If people like it, it's just like a cover band. You people go see cover bands. Right. Oh, it's not Bon Jovi. It's John Bovey. Oh, well, yeah. it's still really good, and I like the song, so Everybody I Everybody loves Elvis impersonators, so. Yeah, I mean, Honky Tonk Man got plenty of years out of that. He did. And so, yeah, if you're going to impersonate a wrestler why not pick the greatest wrestler of our generation and and that gimmick take the best gimmick there was and just do it and go all in and be unashamed even if you've got a shark mask on your face go for it and then proof (laughs) further proof of this concept walks out next is we have black machismo jay lethal so we have a stone cold impersonator and a macho man impersonator back to back only two guys in the ring at a time, so the other wrestlers will have to wait for their it's turn. A, it's a tag-in, which I didn't understand that one. So never tag-in. Right. Divine starts with Sanjay Dutt. Dutt hits a running Rana, then a moonsault arm drag. Curry Man and Lethal come into the ring. They double-team Curry Man and Divine. They take out Shark Boy with a somersaulting clothesline. Shark Boy and Curry Man hit a double power bomb to stop Lethal and Dutt. Then, Consequences Creed takes him out with a somersaulting senton. Shark Boy hits a stunner to Jay Lethal for a near fall, but Dutt breaks it up. Dutt then gets rolled up by Divine, so now Lethal is on his own. Shark Boy splashes Divine on the cage and stomps a mud hole on Divine. Creed hits a fisherman buster to Shark Boy to stop him. Then, Curry Man hits a flying hip attack on Creed to stop him. Curry Man and Shark Boy collide. Creed hits a hammerlock DDT and pins Shark Boy. So the fan favorite is gone here in the second elimination. Curry Man climbs the cage, but Johnny Devine stops him. Jay Lethal joins him in the corner of the cage. Devine misses a shooting star press to Lethal. Then Curry Man, still perched on the top of the cage, and he hits a somersaulting senton onto Creed and Devine. A spice rack from Curry Man eliminates Creed. Devine then gets hit with the heart attack by Jay Lethal. With help from Curry Man. Then a spice rack connects to Lethal, but Divine breaks the cover, which makes zero fucking sense in this match. Curry Man gets eliminated by Johnny Divine. Now it's between Johnny Divine and Jay Lethal, so it's obvious who is going to win now. It's first to escape. Fuck pinfalls and submissions. Now it's just time to run away. Johnny Divine uses Lethal's wrist tape to tie him up in the cage. Divine decides, you know what? Fuck walking out the door. I'm going to climb. This would be his undoing, though, as Sanjay Dutt hands Jay Lethal a knife. He just cuts his wrist tape off and jumps out the door as Johnny Devine was still climbing up the cage. A running start, suicide plancha, right out through the ropes and just back first onto the floor. I don't think it was that dramatic. I I feel like he just sort of ran and got out because (laughs) Johnny Devine 
was taking his sweet time getting over the top of the cage. Jay Lethal retains the X Division title. It was an entertaining match. Curry Man's high spot wasn't that great for as long as he sat on top of the cage to wait to do it because he looked very lost as he was waiting to do his big uh, somersaulting senton onto all the X Division wrestlers. But it was fine. It was a fine X Division match. I think there are better X Division matches out there. Oh, much better. I would have preferred just a singles match between two guys or a tag match or something, but... Ultimate X. It's a great match. But you can't do that in the cage, because they got to string it up and all that stuff, so... Divine never got to use his kendo stick, so that was a, uh... That was a big tease. Jeremy Borash is with Frank Trigg. Now, why is TNA so big into MMA? You might wonder. It's because Brock Lesnar... Debuted in the UFC in February of 2008. So I think, given that they were on Spike TV, and Spike TV had the UFC at the time, they thought, let's go all in. If that's what people are into, let's try and make our product like MMA. So Frank Trigg is asked about the match tonight, the main event, as every backstage segment tonight was about the main event. Fuck the rest of the card and any interviews about that. It's only about Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. Frank Trigg says he'd be nervous if he was in a tough match like Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. And he doesn't think Joe can do it since he never has, which is incorrect. Joe has beat Kurt Angle before. And he doesn't see Joe winning this one. And then he says it's not gonna happen. Thanks, guys. I am here with internationally known fighter Frank Trigg. Frank, you've been in the ring with the best of them. Matt Hughes, George St. Pierre. You know what it's like to be in these high-profile, big-money matchups like we're having tonight with Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle. From your observation right now, what is going through the mind of these two individuals, and who has the edge? Well, first thing going through my mind is when I'm punching the head or punching the stomach. Uh, thanks for bringing up two of my best nightmares that I still reoccur every night. If Kurt, who I know is kind of like me, and Joe are doing what I normally do at this point in time, I'm usually thrown up <laughs> as I'm trying to warm up. It's a little nerve-wracking. You're about to have a lot of people yelling your name, and the other half of the people will be booing you. It gets a little nerve-wracking backstage. But Kurt's done this before. He's been here. Big match. Tough matches. You know, won Olympic gold in 96, won the world in 97, beat one of the best wrestlers in the world, the Iranian, to win the gold medal. It's not like he's unaccustomed to being in tough matches. Samoa Joe, on the other hand, hasn't really had that big limelight. I mean, obviously, he's failed three times in trying to beat Kurt before for the heavyweight title. I don't see him doing it again tonight. He does have a little bit of advantage on the ground. Samoa Joe does because it was leg locks, his heel hooks, his knee bars. But when you got Kurt punching in the face at the same time you're trying to do it, it, uh, it, it, it's not going to go well for Samoa Joe. I, I do see uh, uh, Samoa Joe be able to hang for a little while, but really the intensity that, that Kurt brings to the game is, is really going to push him off. And, and I, honestly, I just don't see a way that, that, that Samoa Joe can win this fight. So even after this intense training in California, nothing he could have picked up along the way, maybe given the advantage, something maybe Kurt wasn't expecting? Nothing against Marcus Davis. I mean, he, he is a great competitor. He's a great trainer. Uh, he put, you know, Samoa Joe, I talked to him a little bit about you know, the training camp. He put him through an eight-week training camp, but he smashed it into five weeks to kind of make it work together. Uh, it's not enough. It is probable. I mean, it's probable that he could beat Kurt. I mean, you know, I could probably be president of the United States. I'm an American-born citizen. It's, it's, it could happen. It's not going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. And it's unfortunate because Samoa Joe has done so much for pro wrestling. And he really has put his heart and his soul and his life into this game that he's going to have to walk away from tonight after he loses. Because, you know, like he said five weeks ago, if I lose and walking away, he's out of here tonight. We'll have a good, hopefully we'll have a good uh, couple bottles of champagne and his going away party. All right. Interesting words there from Frank Trigg. 
Time for Queen of the Cage, which this seems like a Vince Russo idea. And uh, I like this idea. This is fucking stupid. We talked about this beforehand. I enjoy this idea. It's unique. It's different. And it stands out as a way to add the cage match in a different format than what everybody else will be doing. I enjoyed the hell out of this. This is ridiculous. This is just a way to get the women on your roster a payday, which is fine for them, but just awful. What a waste of time this was. Christy Hemme came out first, then Salinas came out second. Sorry about your damn luck. Miss Jacqueline is out next, then Tracy Brooke is out, then Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, then Rockacon, and finally, Roxy Laveau. All the women have to start outside the cage. The goal is to get in the cage. You have to climb the top. You can't go through the door. You have to climb the top and go in the cage. The first two in the cage then get to have a singles match for number one contendership of the women's right. title. So this isn't even a women's title match. No. This is just to get the opportunity to get your ass handed to you. But how cool is by it? By awesome calm. How cool is it to have how many what, eight women yes eight women how is it how cool is it to have eight women ringside right up there with the fans beating the hell out of each other crawling digging fighting to climb up that cage because the first two in that cage then are going to have a chance at the number one contendership I love the idea. Uh, all the women just brawl around the ring. And then Angelina Love, she doesn't fuck around with this. She <laughs> just goes right in. Then Roxy Laveau knocks Velvet Sky down, which it would have been weird if Velvet Sky got in the ring because then that would have been her friend that she had to fight. So that would have been I'm kind sure of... one would lay down for the other and that would be that. That might have been better than this entire match. <laughs> But Roxy Laveau knocks down Velvet Sky and makes it in. So we have the match, which, oh, just so happens to be the only feud that the announcers brought up between these eight women. So what are the odds that these two make it in the ring? Laveau big boots Angelina Love, but Love knocks her down with a jawbreaker. Love hits a scissor kick for a near fall. Love hits a flatliner called the lights out, but only gets a near fall. Laveau hits the voodoo drop, which she was the escort of the voodoo kin mafia. We'll see what happened to them coming up later tonight. But she hits the voodoo drop, which is a seated nothing. It is one of the worst looking finishers I've ever seen. I can't describe it because it's just, she just sits down and takes Angelina Love with her and nothing really happens, but somehow this is a finishing move and Roxy Laveau gets the win. Congratulations, Roxy Laveau. You'll be going to get your ass kicked by Awesome Kong in the near future. What a privilege. Are you, are you? I can describe this move. Okay. Okay. So she gets her, she hooks her head like a DDT. Her other arm she grabs in a hammer lock. So she's got Angelina's love's right hand behind her arm or behind her back in a hammer lock. Then over into, and it's going to, looks like it's going to be a cradle DDT. Okay. <laughs> but then she just sits but down. But then she slams down and it's the, the idea of the move is she's popping her neck as she's falling down. Uh, that's the idea of the move. It's, it's cool looking. I know it's not. It looks awful. See, I don't think. It so. looks like, oh, I, I want to do a DDT here, but I'm too sloppy at my job to do one without totally killing you. So we'll do this instead. It's not as bad as a roll of the dice, but it's pretty close. (laughs) 
So there you go. Roxy Laveau is you're your t- winner. You're too damn picky. You know that. Lauren, TNA reporter Lauren is with Joe. Who is, first of all. I don't know who Lauren is. <laughs> I didn't Google who she was. I'm going to look her up. Okay, so Lauren is with Samoa Joe. As I mentioned, all the interviews are about the main event. Fuck the rest of the card. Lauren asks Joe, if you win, it'll be amazing. But if you lose, you retire. And Joe says he's given his life to the sport and he isn't leaving without the title. You know, there's there's really no need for me to reiterate what I said five weeks ago. I know what I said. And while the rest of the world has sat back and they keep wondering, what's Joe going to do if he leaves wrestling? What's next for Joe if he loses tonight? Know that I haven't put thought one to it. Because there's only one possible outcome tonight. One possible outcome, Kurt. And you see, for all your bravado, for everything that you said, you know one thing. Kurt, you know that I can do it. You know I can take from you. And I'll be damned, Kurt! I'll be damned if you take from me tonight! You see, I've bled, I've sweat, I've sacrificed, I've given my life to this sport, Kurt. And if you think that you're going to walk in, if you think this is your grand swan song, if you think for one minute that you will take this away from me, Kurt, you're sadly mistaken, because I've come here tonight with a mission. You see, Kurt, you hold what I desire, and I will give anything for it. I will sacrifice my career, I will sacrifice my life. And tonight, Kurt Angle, you will know where we both stand. You see, I didn't lay hands on you at Impact for one reason. I wanted you to be your very best. So at the end of the night, when you're staring up at me, you will know without a shadow of the doubt, I am the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, then we do get a Kip James promo about fighting BG James, Brian Armstrong. This is a pre-tape as Kip James went to the zoo. He's with a tiger. And he says, hey, I'll become a tiger once they put us in the cage. And so he did this interview behind a, like a fence, like an aluminum fence. And it looked like fucking so stupid. Like you have to be so literal. You know, you don't have to do a promo behind a fence just to get the word out. He said he's going to stomp Brian's guts out. Brian James, April 13th, Boston, Mass, lockdown. You and me locked in a cage. When you look at a wild animal in a cage, you feel safe and secure. But if you get thrown in the cage with a wild animal, that's a whole different story. And I know you're asking yourself, well, what kind of wild animal can you possibly turn into? Huh. Well, it just so happens that I have a little visual for you. That's right, Brian, a tiger. That's exactly what I will become when they lock that six sides of steel behind us and that feeling that you're feeling right now right at this very moment that's fear and there's two things you can do with that fear you can lay down and i'll stomp your guts out or you can fight and i'll still stomp your guts out either way i'll still have something to feed my friends (laughs) am i scared damn right I'm scared. I pray to the Lord above that you're smart enough to be scared too, Kip. I know each and everything you're going to do, whether it's inside a six-sided steel cage or inside your living room. Now, you know me pretty good too, but you don't know the cage side of old BG James. You hit my daddy with a crutch, boy, and to me, now it's on. Six foot four, 250 pounds sack of crap, just like you said. You think you got rid of me? All you did was open up my door. Kip, now you have to deal 
with the caged D to the O to the double. And I don't mean to cause you no trouble, but Kip, you brought this on your damn self. This all started when Kip hit Bullet Bob with a crutch. What a fucking dirty heel. I know, right? Hitting the old man with a crutch. And there you go. That's all we needed in this match is Voodoo Ken Mafia has... That pissed me off too if you took a crutch to my dad and we're trying to win the tag titles, damn it. So the Voodoo Ken Mafia explodes. Now, in 1999, I would have told you this match is probably going to suck. And it probably would have. But in 2008, I could have definitely told you this is going to 100%. There is no doubt this will suck. This is the worst match of the night by far. And that includes the match we just saw with the women climbing into the cage to then have a match. So this is awful. And I told you before we recorded uh, this week, I told you on our last podcast, this might be one of my least favorite matches we've ever reviewed. So... Kip James is out first, and BG James is out to a terrible theme song. TNA just not splurging for any good theme song for BG James. Do you want to know what it sounds like? It sounds like, you are my sunshine, and then it goes into a rap. We ain't nothing but a bad beep. (laughs) Or some shit like that. Brian is going to go right to the finish here as he goes in the ring and immediately goes to shake, rattle, and roll punches, which tells me he ain't got nothing. (laughs) This shit isn't going to go very long. Yeah. But Kip hits a cutter to stop him, a shitty-looking RKO. Kip throws Brian against the cage a couple times. Kip goes to a chin lock. Brian doesn't do any offense, really, as Kip just does all the work here. He hits the Famouser, only gets a two-count. The crowd, then after all this stalling and nothingness, starts booing the match. So always a good sign. Kip tries a second rope Famouser, but Brian low blows him instead. They exchange strikes before Brian elbows him. Hits the shake, rattle, and roll punches again, and then flings Kip into the cage. Big right hand, Brian hits his shake, rattle, and roll knee drop. Only gets a two count. Brian has yet to hit a wrestling move. No slam, (laughs) no pile driver, no anything. He has only thrown strikes this entire time. Kip decides to tune up the band as he's going to show it to Sean Hickenbottom how it's done. But he misses a splash to Brian in the corner as he decided to go for a splash instead. Brian inside cradles Kip, and despite doing nothing in the match, wins the match. An amazing finish to this awful match. As what I was saying earlier about someone like Drake Maverick, Drake Maverick could wrestle circles around Brian James. and But Brian James has been able to have an amazing career because of what he can do on the microphone. Never in a million years would I say... Patrick, dude, Road Dog, tonight in a cage, he is going to fucking tear the house down. <laughs> I would believe that he could. Of course, yeah. I um, like Road Dog over Billy Gunn. He's not even the best Armstrong brother. Oh, damn. So, that's true. This had that's zero true. chance of being good. And who knows what kind of state Road Dog was in in this uh, 2008. This was, uh, well, this was a year after the Benoit thing, so steroids were all the talk in wrestling but as far as pill abuse weed everything else that the guys are doing yeah alcohol that's all still well and good and i don't think tna had a very strict testing policy anyway they didn't have any but kip i (laughs) he's okay (laughs) he can be okay as a worker but i don't know they told him he's gonna lose and so he said you know what I'll go out there, I'll try and hit the famous, or I'll hit my 
best moves and then that's it like that's all you're gonna get this was just bad this had no stip this had no stipulation to make it a different cage match by the way this was just a cage match and they couldn't even figure it out it also only had about eight minutes so it's not like oh god well it was eight minutes too long it could have been about two minutes it was terrible so then after the match kip wants the code of honor he wants a handshake from brian because he beat him fair and square right Kip then raises Brian's hand, and to the surprise of nobody, this got zero reaction. Kip clotheslines him. <laughs> of course he clotheslined him. He then crotch chops Brian, like DX style, and then leaves. And screams <sighs> out, suck it, in the process. Oh, of right, yeah. Well, he was the only thing you could hear in the arena, so. Uh, would you like to know who Lauren is? Who is Lauren? Lauren is Lauren Thompson. That is her real name. She was the uh, woman in Jason Aldean's music video, <laughs> music video Hicktown. She is part of the Golf Channel as host of the Morning Drive and the Top Ten on the Golf Network. All right. Well, there's your Lauren update. So now you know what happened. I didn't know to who Lauren. the fuck she was. JB is with Kurt Angle, and Kurt in 2008 looks like a zombie. As he just Holy stares off into the distance. Shit. And like doesn't blink. No muscle tone. No. He's got no, he's like cut. He's like cut up. Like well, he's, yeah, got, he's cut, but like he has lost all fat in his face, in his like where you're like thick. Oh, he's deflated, yeah. Yeah, like thick Kurt. No, there's no thick Kurt. It's just cut muscle, boom. That's it. Well, and like I mentioned earlier, this is a year after the Benoit tragedy. So I'm sure a lot of these guys little, got off the gas. Yeah, a little afraid. Yeah. And Matt uh, Morgan, you'll see that later too. <laughs> God almighty. Well, Tyson Tomko looks like he had gotten off the gas too because yeah. he looks like all his muscle mass turned into fat. Yeah. Um, and that, when the fuck did he hold the world title? Kurt just stares off into the distance. He says he can beat everyone in the WWE. Oh, no. Kurt says he beat everyone in the WWE. He says he saw Samoa Joe in TNA, and he recognized his intensity. So, Joe, tonight, it's not just business. It's personal. Before I came to TNA, when I was with the WWE, anybody they threw my way, I beat them. I made them tap out. Then I started watching the competition. I started watching TNA. And I saw a man, Samoa Joe. He wasn't just a wrestler. He was an animal. There was an intensity about him that I only saw in one other place. And that was in the mirror. And on the four occasions when I did wrestle Samoa Joe, he took me to the limit. If it would have lasted any second longer, I don't know if I could have taken it. I gave him everything I had, and he took it. So the last time we wrestled, I knew something had to give. I knew at that point I had to do something, something drastic, because we both wanted one thing, and both of us can't have it. So Joe, tonight, it's not only about business. It's personal. It's very personal. 
because in order for me to prove that I am the very best, and anyone that questions that, I need to make you tap out. I need to beat you. I need to end your career. So Joe, it's not only about winning or losing, it's about survival. Up next, Cuffed in the Cage. Another terrible Vince Russo idea. As, can you explain Cuffed in the Cage, Patrick? Yeah, okay, so you're going to have teams, tag teams, and all it boils down to, the plot is to handcuff your opponent to the cage. Cuff everyone to the cage until you're the only one not cuffed. And you and your tag team partner win the match. These are all the tag teams. This is not a tag team title match. Rock and Rave. Rock and Rave is first, then Kaz and EY. They're supposed to be next, Eric Young. But they get destroyed by Black Rain and Relic. And so Kaz goes to the ring, but EY just bolts. No Eric Young? Main roster WWE star Eric Young. Relic and Black Rain are team number three. Black Rain being Dustin Rhodes here in his least favorite persona. In fact, if you ask him about this on Twitter, he will block you. He hates this so much. Really? He was in a dark place in his life, and so he hates Black Rain. The Motor City Machine Guns, a team too good to be in this match, are in this match at number four. Then LAX, Homicide, and Hernandez are out as number five. Then Hector Guerrero and Willie Urbana are calling this match from the Spanish announce table, which on the DVD, I don't think there's a way to play their commentary. So thanks, TNA. (laughs) Then the final team, Big Papa Pump and Little Pump, P.D. Williams, are the final team. By the way, Scott Steiner being introduced as the number one contender. So whoever wins tonight between Joe and Angle will face Scott Steiner. They shouldn't have told us that before the match started. Because the way they treat Scott Steiner in this match is ridiculous for your number one contender. Well, we were talking about, you know, being on the gas. P.D. Williams, holy shit. Well, I don't think Scott Steiner quit being on the gas either in 2008. (laughs) Yeah, but P.D. Williams, like, exploded up. And so, yeah, P.D. Williams. And Scott, always getting rattled by the fans on this DVD... Gets bleeped. He gets fucking bleeped on a DVD. Jawing with the crowd. What was it he said? I know you're a really good I don't, rip later. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't tell what he said. I'm I'm actually terrible at reading lips. Even when someone very clearly says fuck you into the camera, I'm like, I'm not sure they said that. Well, that was know. one of the ones he said. He said a lot of stuff to the fans. Yeah. As Scott Steiner, a guy that just always lets the fans get under his skin. He just can't understand that they're just there to have fun and that's that's real with him oh yeah i don't think that's not character backstage we're all hunky-dory good no, no it's crazy that this guy him. runs a restaurant where people come in now yeah. shonies people come in and sit down and want to have a meal and he can come over to your table and say hi i'm the owner and he tries to be nice to you but imagine if you said i don't like the food here he'd lose his fucking mind and tell you go to hell and just all that shit so steiner of course he's the number one contender he belly-to-bellies everyone and just cleans house. The other teams stop him, though, and handcuff him, and your number one contender looks like a fucking joke as he, he is, is handcuffed right away. First one eliminated, per se, 
Eliminated, but has to stay there. Has to stay there. Yeah. I thought when they did this, like, oh, this is going to be a big power spot for him later in the match, and he'll break free and then just come back in. Old ass. Yeah. No. No. This was it. He didn't want to work tonight. And his because he knew he was losing. He's like, fuck it. I'm not putting in effort. And spoiler alert: his number one contendership for sacrifice gets turned into a three-way dance with they add Kurt Angle back in. So he was never going to get a singles match. And that is also the impetus. That is what the great Steiner math promo comes from is his triple threat match heading into sacrifice with Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. You need to play that here for us. I think most people have heard it, but sure. I, I can always listen to Steiner math. Insert it here. A three-way for the TNA heavyweight title at Sacrifice between you, Kurt Angle, and Samoa Joe. Now, before you get there, you have an important step tonight as you and X Division champion Petey Williams take on the unlikely duo of Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe. You know, they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Samoa Joe, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak. And I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance, Minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one on one and then add 66 and two thirds percents, I got 141 and two thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. See, but I'm gonna break it down for all you ladies. Would you rather be with me, or would you rather be with Joe? Well, I think Joe's kind of nice. I mean, you know. So you're one of those girls that like romance. I'm going to talk to all my freaks out there. Would you rather come home to me, a genetic freak, to be satisfied every night, or go home to that fat-ass small Joe? See, tonight, we're going to win, and I'm going to be the world champion at sacrifice. Come on, P. Let's go. Scotty, just like you always say, Big Papa Pump has got your hookup? Well, Maple Leaf Muscle is who you need to look up. Holler if you hear that. Eric Young finally tries to enter the cage, but Relic and Black Rain just scare him. So he just turns around and leaves again. That's right. Alex Shelley is handcuffed, as is Jimmy Rave, and the camera misses it. The, the announcers can't keep up with who's getting cuffed and who's not. Chris Sabin gets cuffed by Kaz. Relic and Rain hit double-team DDTs on Petey Williams, and he gets cuffed, so his team is out. LAX hits the gringo cutter to Kaz. Hernandez tries a border toss on Jimmy Rave, but then gets a crackerjack in the steel. Lance Hoyt knocks Hernandez down. Hernandez gets cuffed by Black Rain, so he's out. Kaz hits the flux capacitor. Yes, these are all real moves that were done in a wrestling match. Kaz hits the flux capacitor to Jimmy Rave off the cage. Homicide gets cuffed by someone. Kaz stops Hoyt from climbing the cage, and Hoyt choke slams Kaz off the top rope from the cage and then gets cuffed to the cage by Black Rain. The Monsters of Rock take on Rain and Relic, and that's all that's left 
But then Super Eric comes in, climbs the cage, da- dives onto the remaining teams. Da da da. Jimmy Rave gets cuffed. Hoyt gets cuffed. Rain stops him and flings him into Relic's boot. Then Black Rain accidentally cuffs Relic instead of Eric Young. Eric Young used mind control and got Black Rain to cuff his own partner. Then Super Eric hits a Super Eric driver on Black Rain, cuffs him up, and Super Eric Young wins the match all by himself for his team. And there you go. Super Eric can break Kaz's cuff right off of him and freeze him. So Scott Steiner could not break free, but Eric Young could. Just think about that for a moment. And there you go. This stupid, stupid match, which made Eric Young look good. He got a huge pop for his return. He did. But outside of that, this was pretty awful. Lauren is with Samoa Joe's family. Steven and Wayne Joe, I guess. And then Joe's dad is there. Joe's dad says Joe can't lose, but even if he loses, he'll love him either way. Oh, <laughs> Not what I want my badass soon-to-be champion. I don't want his dad saying, I'll love him, win or lose. Oh, that's not Samoa Joe's character at all. You want him to be like, listen, you better win, damn it. Or yeah, he better home. win. Yeah, or he's <laughs> kicked out forever. He's not a part of this family. <laughs> An awesome Kong promo package plays. Turns out she beats everyone's ass. Raisha Saeed has brought her here. So Raisha Saeed is a uh, woman in a burqa who has brought Awesome Kong to destroy all of us. So they are paired together. They will face Gail Kim and ODB. For what? Nothing, because this is before the women's tag belts were introduced. This is just for fun. Kong's team is out first, then Kim and ODB are out next. Kong starts with ODB. Kong whips her by the hair into Kim's corner. She wants Saeed, though, so Saeed gets the better of Gail Kim, works her arm. Saeed slams Kim, drops an elbow for a near fall, a fisherman suplex with a bridge for a two count. Then Kim hits a head scissors takedown on Saeed. Kong slams Kim's head off the cage behind the ref's back. Raisha Saeed puts Kim in the corner and boots Kim's head against the cage. Kong tags in, takes over against Gail Kim. Big splash to Kim in the corner. She tags back out. Kim spears Saeed. Then ODB gets the tag, runs wild, takes down both the heels, fall away slam from ODB to Saeed for a near fall. Gail runs in to tussle with Kong, all four brawled. Gail Kim climbs the cage, but Saeed wants a powerbomb off the top, but Gail reverses it into a Hurricane Rana. Awesome Kong takes Gail Kim down. Awesome Kong accidentally decks Saeed. Kim drop kicks Awesome Kong. ODB goes to the top rope, splashes Saeed, and gets the win. Then they run out of the cage before Awesome Kong can get any of her heat back. So there you go. Saeed is actually cheerleader Melissa, who had a good run in the company and ended up eventually in Lucha Underground for the last few years. Cheerleader Melissa. Nope, never made it to WWE, but uh, Lucha Underground, uh, TNA, originally came up through a promotion called Chick Fight. Uh, This was a fine tag team match. It had no... There were no stakes tied to it because we already named Awesome Kong's contender earlier in the night. So, But as far as an exhibition match to see two of the best performers in the women's division and Awesome Kong and Gail Kim without either of them having to take a fall, this was the only way to really do it. Because, I mean, how often can you do Gail Kim and Awesome Kong? Yeah. JB is with Karen Angle. Even though they're separated, Karen Angle is here. JB says, why are you here? She says, even though we're separated, I'm concerned for Kurt. Okay, thanks, Karen. We'll see you later. Booker T and Robert Roode are next. 
Bobby decked Charmel at final resolution, and that's pretty much good enough. Bobby Roode and Peyton Banks will take on King. Why are they calling him Robert Roode? I don't understand. I don't know. He goes back and forth with Bobby and Robert. That's like WWE now. Yeah, they called him Robert, and he had the mustache, but then I saw him on Raw this past week. He had grown his beard back. And now he's Bobby again? I don't know. He was chasing after the 24-7 title, and, I mean, there's been no update on... <laughs> there's been no follow-up. <laughs> like, I just... Okay. Yeah. Just wasting away. Dude, he... This entire... I mean, WWE's roster in 2019 is largely made up of people just sitting around not doing anything. That's true. Intergender tag match. As Robert Roode and Peyton Banks will take on King Booker and Queen Charmel. Roode and Booker exchange chops. Booker does the corner punches to Bobby Roode, but Roode hits an atomic drop and a drop kick. Roode hits a twisting neck breaker for a near fall. Booker goes for the scissor kick, but eats a spine buster from Bobby Roode for a near fall. Booker hits a snap suplex, slows Roode down. Then he hits a spine buster to Roode. Then a spinner-rooney and an axe kick, but it's dodged by Bobby Roode. Charmel tags in. When Charmel tags in, it means Peyton Banks has to come in. So she does. Banks accidentally slaps Bobby Roode, though, and gets rolled up by Charmel. One, two, three. That's it. There you go. Roode then yells at Peyton Banks. He threatens to deck his own manager, but then just leaves her in the ring. So this is their breakup angle, I guess. Who is Peyton Banks? Oh, Peyton Banks is Rain from Impact Wrestling. She worked. She last worked in Ring of Honor in 2017. This was her exit from TNA. She had an entire one-year run here in 2007-2008. She came in in October. This is April, so she lasted from October till April. And that is Peyton Banks. Marcus Davis, the Irish hand grenade, is with Lauren. And he's been training Samoa Joe, another UFC fighter here. He said Samoa Joe came out of a training camp. He's a complete fighter now. He says Joe needs to stick to the plan and he'll win. But now it's time for Lethal Lockdown. We get a whole hype video here as Team Tomko will battle Team Cage, former best friends. Even going back to their WWE days, these two were paired together. So now they are. They were a tag team in WWE. Vicious enemies now. Yes. This is TNA's version of War Games. Lethal Lockdown. It is. And you know how much I love me some war games. Christian Cage is going to start the match. He thinks he's going to start against Tomko. Tomko looks like he's coming into the ring. Just kidding. The lights come back up, and AJ Styles was already in the cage, which how Christian didn't notice there was a guy in the cage the whole time. He climbed the top, came back down. Oh, I see. He came through the crowd at the back. That's why Tomko took so long getting out there. Right, this was before the, the top of the cage gets lowered down. Correct. Unlike war games, the, the, there's not always a lid on the cage. Right. It's later on. Also, the plunder doesn't come in until the very end. I love this match. Great gimmick. So AJ just jumps off the side of the cage, and, and it's on. These two get five minutes with each other. War games rules here. And to no, the surprise of nobody, the heels won the coin toss, so they will always have the man <laughs> advantage. Damn. As they are a perfect 100% in all War Games coin tosses since the beginning of time. That's true. AJ just beats Christian down. It's a beautiful drop kick. Christian chops AJ to the corner. AJ tries a moonsault into an inverted DDT, but Christian stops him for a moment. And uh, AJ eventually gets the inverted DDT anyway. The crowd is really into these two. They would have just loved to have seen a match between these two. Christian hits a lariat that turns AJ inside out. 
Christian hits an inverted DDT to AJ. AJ tries a Hurricane Rana, but Christian power bombs him. Christian tries the unprettier, but AJ blocks it and hits a Pele kick. The time ticks down, and it's Bully Ray out next for Team Tomco. He slams the cage door on Christian. The crowd hate on his Yankees jersey because they are in Boston land here. Uh, Bully wore it to the ring just for heat. AJ and Bully just put the boots to Christian against the cage. Then the time ticks down, and Rhino is out for Team Christian. Rhino belly-to-bellies Bully Ray, but AJ stops the gore attempt. Christian puts a sleeper on Bubba, but gets dropped. Cowboy James Storm is out next. Storm hits the eye of the storm to Christian. AJ and Rhino brawl on the cage on the top rope. AJ gets to the top of the cage, but Christian races right up there and stops him. Bubba knocks Christian off the cage to the outside of the ring. Then, oh boy, here he comes waddling to the ring for Team Christian. It's Kevin Nash. Gray-haired Kevin fucking Nash is Christian's hope here. He catches AJ and hits snake eyes, so he's already running out of moves. Christian then climbs back onto the cage. He hits a crossbody to Bubba and James Storm. Then Devon is out next. Devon and Bubba team up. They take down Team Christian until Nash stops them. The heels chop down Nash's bad knees. Matt Morgan, Mayor Matt Morgan, is out next for Team Christian. He cleans house. Devon is the only one in this match to do color for some reason. Uh, we talked about color earlier in this podcast. This Good. didn't need color at all. Uh, but he Devon just felt like doing it. Devon like buff Devon too. Devon did color a lot in unnecessary situations. Yeah. AJ dodges a choke slam from Matt Morgan, but then gets dropped anyway. Tomko is out next for the heels with a chair. Earl stops him from bringing the chair in. Hey, we're going to respect the rules of this cage match until the lid comes down, and then you can have a chair. Sting is out last for the faces. Everyone just stalls until Sting gets to the ring. Sting enters and, of course, cleans house. Then the ceiling lowers, and now it's time for the lethal lockdown portion. The ceiling lowers down. It has all the plunder attached to it. Everyone grabs weapons. James Storm decides, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to the top of the cage now that it has a roof. Christian follows him. He gets a trash can lid shot for his trouble. Storm wants a suplex, but Christian crotches him on the roof, and he almost goes through the cage as the cage starts breaking underneath James Storm's weight. Christian just wears Storm out with lid shots to the head. Then Nash and Morgan chokeslam Team 3D before Tomko nails head chair shots to Team Christian before Sting stops him with a drop kick. Sting puts on the Scorpion Deathlock to Tomko before AJ destroys everyone with a kendo stick. Christian sets up a table on the top of the roof to put Storm through, but AJ goes up there to stop him, so Christian gets laid out on top of the cage. He sets up a ladder. AJ climbs it, but Christian races up the ladder to stop him. Storm goes up to stop Christian, too, and he shoves both Christian and AJ off the ladder through the table on the roof, and Storm is the only one standing, and he smashes a beer bottle over Matt Morgan, but then Rhino... Gore's Storm gets the one, two, three in the ring, and Team Christian Cage sneaks away with the win as everybody was down and out. It's it's a great concept. I love the match. Did it The Cage isn't high enough for these I the guess. roof spots aren't really all that impressive because as I mentioned to you, they cut out holes to put the ladder in up there on the roof. Like it's fitted in there. So there's like no denying that it'll stay in place so like i do respect that they took like safety further to do all this stuff on the roof yeah but the roof is only 
their cage, I'd say, is only like 10 feet high compared to like a WWE cage that's like 16 feet high right. or whatever it is. And so that stuff on the roof, it looks cool. And the people in the crowd, you know, it doesn't really matter how high it is. It still looks great. But yeah, it looks kind of cheap when you're watching. I mean, it's still cool, but like it's a great gimmick. I was trying to figure out a way to describe it, and that's pretty I much, think, I'm with you on that. That's about the best way I could put it. I think it would look better if they had the two rings like War Games had, because then you could actually focus on the action that's in the true. ring, and they could actually do stuff between the rings, and they could just spread out and work. Yeah. And in this, with that tiny ring and the tiny cage, there's no, you can't, you just can't focus on anything because right. there's so much going on and a lot of just random brawling and not yeah not like Wrestle War 92 where it's like Rick Rude is hitting like a devastating pile driver and then Sting does put someone in the Scorpion Deathlock and like people are doing spots like in this match they do a spot but then that's it they yeah. each had one thing to do, and they did it, and then it was done. Yeah. In between every spot was just, it felt like a lull in the match. It felt kind of slow. Yeah, I love the match. I, I was trying to find one bad thing to say, and I think that you said it. It was a good idea to have Christian and AJ start the match, but then again, it might have been better to have them be the last two in the yeah. match or something. Have your best workers but I mean, you're not, not wear gonna, them out. You're going to have Sting come out last. I mean, you can't have Sting. Of course, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised it wasn't Nash, honestly. Finally, it's time for the main event. We get a hype video for Angle and Joe from 2006 till now. Karen Angle watches on from the crowd. Frank Trigg joins Don and Mike on commentary. The tail is tape for the big match. Joe has a weight advantage, and that's about it. Both guys get boxing walkouts or Goldberg walkouts, which I thought was really awesome. Like, I think this should always be done for your main events. Like, yes. There's no reason not to do this. This costs nothing. WrestleMania 14, when you had Austin and Sean walking out and just that little back music playing, that's that's memorable, you know? Every recap, you show that. And it costs nothing extra to do it. It just builds the anticipation of that main event. Joe's brothers do the Samoan fire dance for Joe. So he gets a big WrestleMania-type entrance here in TNA. Well, TNA WrestleMania entrance, so. Joe goes to the ring, and then Angle gets a boxing walkout and a hype video. In between his walking out to the ring and actually getting in the ring, he gets another hype video, and then the champ comes out. Jeremy Borash does boxing-style intros for both guys. Marcus Davis gets an introduction, and he gets to hold the belt up. Angle has lost so much weight, it almost doesn't look like him. I could have almost believed it's a different guy. But he is super toned, like I said, like... He wasn't a sad puddle of a man that we saw in Dalton, Georgia. It's before that, but yeah. it's just so crazy the difference between that and like 2006 Kurt Angle that they show in the videos and stuff. Karen looks on from ringside, that evil woman, here to mess with her man's head. Get her out of here! Angle is in MMA shorts for this match and just ankle tape, no boots, no which. Boot. I thought this was cool, too. Like, he's taking this so seriously, now he's an MMA fighter. Like, for a minute, he considered doing MMA around this yeah. time, but then ultimately decided not to. And I, if he had gone to UFC or somewhere, he would have probably failed every drug test put in front of him. So, Well, yeah, because he had a lot of issues at this point in time. 
And as you mentioned, yeah, get her out of here. He wants Karen ejected before this match starts. So get her out of here. So TNA lose one fan in the crowd, which they could not afford to do. <laughs> Karen is not happy about this, but she goes anyway. I came here for you. They start the match with cautious stand-up strikes. Angle gets a rope break in this cage match. By the way, so this cage match is different from most cage matches in that the cage is being used as a octagon, basically. This is an MMA fight. So, yes. But you can get rope breaks, which there are no ropes in MMA, but... You can't use the cage to your advantage either. Yeah, this is if pro wrestling wanted to be MMA but couldn't get rid of like certain pro wrestling elements that like we just can't abandon like a three count the ropes. and ropes. Yeah. yeah, we just can't get rid of that. But we'll incorporate all the other shit. Angle gets a rope break in this cage match when Joe pins him against the ropes with his weight. Angle lands some nice leg kicks on Joe, who responds with some of his own. Joe puts on an ankle lock, but Kurt gets to the ropes. Angle double legs Joe and looks for a Kimura, but Joe makes it to the ropes. Joe boots Angle in the head as he went in for a takedown. Angle pulls guard and gets to the ropes. Joe then hip tosses Angle. Angle's able to suplex Joe on his head, ouch. Then he goes for a choke, but Joe gets a foot on the ropes. Angle gets Joe in the corner and starts throwing strikes. Angle works a front chancery, but Joe battles out of it. Angle belly to bellies Joe. Angle looks for an arm bar, but Joe looks for a slam. And Angle gets the ropes before he can be slammed. Angle chop blocks Joe's knee, then goes for a figure four. Joe tries to roll it over and eventually does, but Angle gets to the ropes. Angle just goes back to Joe's legs. Angle goes to a side headlock. Joe blocks a belly to belly, nails a clothesline from hell that turns Angle inside out. Joe then hits an insiguri, wants the muscle buster, but Angle reverses it all into an ankle lock. Then Joe hits a power bomb into a lion tamer on Kurt Angle, which seeing Samoa Joe do a lion tamer was awesome. He then puts on an STF. He then transitions to a crossface. Angle's near the ropes, but he goes for Joe's ankle. He puts him in the ankle lock, but Joe reverses it into another crossface. Angle gets the ropes. Angle tries to jump Joe. After the break, but Joe catches him in another crossface. Joe gets lifted into an Olympic slam, which Angle connects for a near fall. Angle then puts him back into the ankle lock. Joe tries to fight out of it, but he can't. He flips Angle around and puts Angle in a rear naked choke, the Kakina clutch. Angle uses the ref's shirt to get to the ropes. Uh, he's desperate, this Kurt Angle guy. He tries another Olympic slam, gets a crescent kick from Joe for his troubles. Joe goes for the muscle buster, nails it. One... Two, three, and Joe, after many years in this company, is finally TNA world champion. Marcus Davis presents him the belt. The highlight video plays from the match. Tanae says it's a night that will live forever, and we're out. Kurt Angle falls to Samoa Joe, who keeps his career going. In an excellent match between these uh, two. Outstanding. Great transitions from the submissions. I like these kind of submissions where people fight through them, roll out of them, try to figure out a way... To keep working, so it's not just... The amateur wrestling style. The the chain wrestling. Yeah, well, just... Roll out into another submission or, you know... Not where it's just a rest hold, where I'm yeah. going to put you in a crossface, and we're just going to rest here a little while, and you'll eventually get to the ropes, and that's it. Like, yeah. when they were in submissions, they were in peril, and they knew, I got to get to the ropes, I got to get out of this, or I'm going to tap out right here. Yeah. Everything was real to them. Even a figure four, it's like, they have to figure out what to do. It's not just, we're going to sit here and rest a while, so. Yeah. 
I don't know that I like this better than the first match we saw, which was Genesis 2006 between them. I think that match was better. I didn't like the finish of that match because it was inconclusive, but they knew that they wanted to get multiple matches out of these guys. This match is definitely, it feels more like a definitive, this is the end of the feud, basically. Yes. Like, um, It would not be, as, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the next pay-per-view they would bring. They, in fact, they did a rematch of this on Impact, these two. For the belt, and uh, then would be thrown into a three-way. Jim Cornette would put them in a three-way with Scott Steiner. So you could make a case that Samoa Joe should have been Kurt Angle's last opponent in the WWE, but Baron Corbin got that job. I did like the idea of putting Kurt in the MMA shorts and making him more of a fighter, which is what he had basically been doing the last few years anyway, the wrestling machine. Like, why not just go all out? Like... Yeah. I thought his look was outside of just being so shocked at how skinny he was and how scary his eyes looked and just how zonked out he was. I thought the MMA shorts looked cool on Kurt Angle after yeah. years of the singlet. You know, it was it was a cool change for him. Didn't like the Karen Angle stuff being in this match. Like, why not just wait and do that on Impact, which is what they did. Like, they reintroduced. She basically distracts him again on Impact. But to even throw that in there is like, that can be his scapegoat. Like, oh, Karen distracted me. Like, why can't you just lose? Why can't you just lose yeah. to this guy? Like, yeah. it's not like you didn't try your best. I mean, you tried your best. So your excuse that, oh, my ex-wife threw me for a loop. I just, just cut that shit out. You know, just cut that fucking shit out. There was enough going on in this match. I don't, overcomplicating wrestling is something that. Well, w- that's what, you know. What's wrong with saying you were lucky and you got the you you were the better man that night because you got a lucky pin or you got a lucky tap or something like that? You know, you you were lucky because you got me in a situation that I couldn't get out of. But truthfully, I'm better than you and I can prove it. No one can just lose anymore, yeah. Patrick. Yeah, losing is just the end of everything for these guys. So that was Lockdown 2008 from TNA Impact Wrestling. So, Patrick, what did you think of this card? Oh, I think it's excellent. <laughs> I do. I think it is one of the it's best. It's no April 2000 Thunder episode, but. It's, well, yeah, there's nothing that can top that. Uh, it's. I really do. I think it's excellent. I think it's extremely high up on the card. One of the best TNA shows of all time. I would cut out the Queen of the Cage match. I would cut out the mixed tag, and I would cut out the Voodoo Kin Mafia explode. But those three matches to me. Oh, made this pay-per-view drag on, man. I remember watching this. I did this in one sitting, which is rare for me. Usually I can do that if a pay-per-view is really good or if it's really bad and it's just fun bad. Yeah. This was somewhere in the middle and it just kind of drug on for me. But those, the lethal lockdown match and the main event were outstanding, I think. Yeah. They were fine. I don't have any complaints. Even with Kevin Nash, Sting, guys that shouldn't have been in that match. Tyson Tomko, who I could give a fuck about, <laughs> Matt Morgan. Those four guys don't want to see them ever under any circumstances, especially in 2008. But yeah, it was it was a fine show. So on our rating scale, if Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where does Lockdown 2008? Well, you mentioned him. I'm going to give it to Kevin Nash. Wow, a Kevin Nash. I guess I'm going to give it a Tyson Tomko. So there you go. A tall man. He was a bit deflated in 2008. He was off the gas, but he was getting ready to steal some pills from a pharmacy in a few years. So. Oh. Uh, Patrick, it's your pick this week. Where will we be going? 
We're going to go back into the 80s, back into a little thing called Great American Bash. You see, we're heading into July and July 4th. July is always hand-in-hand with the Great American Bash. And to one-up you, you brought a different twist to a very unique match known as War Games. So I'm going to bring back an original. I'm going to bring back War Games. We are going to go back in time to Great American Bash 1989, where we will see Ric Flair defend the NWA World Heavyweight title against Terry Funk, the Road Warriors, and the Midnight Express. And Dr. Death Steve Williams will take on the fabulous Freebirds and Samoan SWAT team. Yes, in War Games. What? Holy shit. Bobby Eaton and Terry Bam Bam Gordy in the same match in a cage at War Games. Holy hell, that is the match of the night, I guarantee you already. Moving forward, we are also going to have Lex Luger defend the United States title against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Wow. Yes. Yes. And probably the main event, if not semi-main, Surfer Sting takes on. The Great Muda. So there you go. And there's a lot more. I mean, we we got a Steiner Brothers in there. We got a lot to go from. So definitely. GAB 1989. 30 years ago coming up in just a few weeks. So there you go. That'll be next week on the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Go to powerslam.tv. Use the promo code Retro Wrestling. Get a month for free. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only. The greatest referee in professional wrestling history. Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bango. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.